folks. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I'm recording this following the Denver Nuggets win over the Sacramento Kings. Final score, 106-100. Probably a little bit closer than it needed to be, but when you're down Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, of course, but you're also down Will Barton, Bones Highland, Jeff Green. Life's going to get difficult. It, it always was, frankly. And then this Nuggets team, they were always going to uh, probably have a little bit of a letdown following some really contested and difficult games over the course of the last couple days at Ball Arena. And then you've got a game tomorrow night where you go back home and you face the Warriors again that time with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, assumably. So this was always going to be a potential letdown spot, and Denver got through it. They were able to make it work, and they are now 40-26 and on the season. They've won like 12 of their last 14. They're officially rolling, and they were rolling last game. They were rolling the game before, but they are just rolling on, and it doesn't matter what the other teams are going to be able to throw at them. And it doesn't matter. Oh, sure, DeMontis Sabonis is out. Sure, Rashawn Holmes is out. Yes, that would have made a little bit of a difference. But it's not like Nikola Jokic couldn't have scored on those guys anyway. And he scored. And he rebounded. And he passed tonight. And it was fantastic. Nikola Jokic, in 35 minutes, goes for 38 points on 15 of 24 from the field. 0 of 2 from 3. Basically on chuck threes right at the end of the clock. 8 of 9 from the free throw line, 18 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. He's been getting a lot of deflections lately too, and I'm not sure that the the one steal really accurately portrays how good his hands have been on defense over the course of these last few games, but he's been great. And to see him in a game where Denver absolutely needed it, he was plus 6 in a 6-point win. They needed all of that production because tonight, Denver starts Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, and Aaron Gordon. And it wasn't a great night for a couple of those guys. So you're kind of down to Monte in a lot of cases and then Jokic. And at the beginning of this game, it was exceptionally clear what the game plan was. Nikola Jokic was going to try to score. He was going to try to put the game away early. And he nearly did it. Like, to be frank, he came out of the first quarter with 15 points already, six rebounds, three assists. He was in his bag. And at halftime, he had 24 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. So he was going to work on a consistent basis in this game and never really relented. The only spot where you could really say, eh, I probably could have done a little bit more was the third quarter where Denver really struggled. They went down 26-17. to But it ain't his fault. There were a lot of miscues in that that quarter that were not tied to him at all. And sometimes you just need somebody else to step up. And Denver didn't really have anybody to step up until the fourth quarter when Monte did. But for much of this game, it really did feel like Jokic against the world, where he is going into the post – He's being double teamed at times, but most of the time he's being single covered by Alex Len, who had four personal fouls in 11 minutes. 
and by Damian Jones, who played the other 37 minutes and had five fouls. Damian Jones really impressed me tonight with his defense. He's very good, very athletic. But Jokic still got the better of him, and he still made it work, even though he clearly had that matchup against Alex Len, who was just complete barbecue chicken for his entire 11 minutes. It was a very, very, very impressive performance from Jokic, who knew that he needed to score, knew that he needed to rebound. When you're down so many guys, sometimes it's got to be you to step up. And he was a great example setter for the rest of the team. Perhaps so much so that everybody looked at him, thought that he was going to get to 50 points, 30 rebounds, and 15 assists, and cease and desisted for a quarter in the third. But look, you just uh, you got to take what you can get. And in this game, Jokic took a lot. He went up around through every single defensive coverage that the Sacramento Kings threw at him. And he was just brilliant for most of this game. This is the third game in a row where he has really decided to take over from a scoring perspective. And it's one of the reasons why, even though they were winning, even though the Nuggets were winning, you could tell that Jokic was sandbagging it a little bit post-All-Star break. Because now you see what he can do when he's fully aggressive, when he's fully engaged. And I do think the loss to Oklahoma City really woke him up. Denver had been kind of meandering through that schedule. They were playing some bad opponents. And it didn't matter that they were playing bad opponents that Jokic could score on. He was just going to take it a little bit easier. Rightly so. He's got to pace himself. But after that loss to Oklahoma City where he played well, he was fine. Everybody else was kind of bad. All he could do, all he could say in that situation after sitting out the Houston game due to sickness was that he himself needed to be better. And he has been. He just he just has been great. Just unbelievable. And this version of Jokic, I'm not sure how long it's going to sustain because it's hard to play at this pace. He's just dominating every possession for the most part. And sometimes you need other guys that can step up and do the work. But I do think the Wild Denver is still dealing with some injuries. He's going to be the focal point over and over again, and I'm very excited to see how he handles this, especially with a few interesting games coming up. I mentioned Monte Morris earlier. He was very good throughout this game. At points, it definitely felt like he didn't have as much of an impact, but then you look at the box score towards the end of the game, and you realize, wow, Monte Morris had 20 points. 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 3 from the line. And his two-man game with Jokic at various points throughout this game, most of the time Jokic was being set up by Monte. And though Monte only had four assists, it definitely felt like he was the one kind of orchestrating things to the point that Jokic got the ball. But Monte made it work. And though... Darren Fox was killing everybody. Uh, Harrison Barnes was killing people. Trey Lyles started off this game exceptionally hot, and then I don't know if he scored after the first quarter. But it certainly felt like Denver needed somebody, anybody to step up around Nikola Jokic to help Denver get past 
that threshold. And Monte hits a floater for an and one. Monte gets to the cup for a layup. Monte sets up Jokic a couple times. And Monte gets a couple steals. And it certainly felt like Denver needed one guy who was going to show up, who was going to make that work. And that guy tonight was Monte Morris. And he hasn't gotten enough credit for being the guy to step up at times. Aaron Gordon has gotten that credit most of the season, rightly so. Will Barton has gotten that credit maybe a little bit more often than he probably should. But Monte Morris has been the dude who has been on a roll over the course of these past few games. He has been 18 to 20 points ever since that OKC loss. He's been 18 to 20 efficiently every single time. And sometimes you don't notice it because it's in the flow of the offense. But that's because Monte is the offense right now. Not as much as Jokic is, but Monte is so far integrated into what the Nuggets are doing. And I've just been very impressed with how he has handled his situation, with how he has stepped up in situations where the Nuggets need more. Monte has been that guy this year perfectly well. Austin Rivers kind of got cooked tonight by De'Aaron Fox. Uh, 12 of 23 for De'Aaron Fox for 32 points, had 10 assists, three turnovers. It wasn't Austin Rivers' best showing, and that's okay. I'm not here to complain about Austin Rivers because he had a really good game last game. He's been very good over the course of these past two and been exactly what the Nuggets have needed from a defensive perspective in a lot of these games. So, willing to give him a pass for sure. Uh, Stepping up in place of Will Barton is tough. Denver also had Davon Reed pop into the starting lineup, and so they they had a little bit of weird stuff at times. But there were a couple possessions where I was just very confused by what Austin Rivers was doing at times offensively. And then there were some possessions where he just let let it fly from three. All of his shots tonight were three-pointers. And if he makes one more of those, then it might feel even a little bit better, kind of three of eight as opposed to two of eight. So I'm not going to sit here and belabor it. Like if he makes one more shot, it's a perfectly reasonable supporting role game. So just uh, take that for what it is. I will say though, Denver shot 25.7% from three tonight, nine of 35. They need a floor spacer. And it wasn't Davon Reed tonight. Brent Forbes was okay. Monte Morris was two of three. Uh, but they needed probably a little bit more from the rest of the supporting cast in order to space the floor for Jokic down the stretch. Uh, teams are always going to dare Austin Rivers to shoot. Sometimes he will make them, sometimes he won't. Uh, tonight he didn't. Here's to him making them more often than not next time around. Aaron Gordon, very meh. Uh, I was pretty disappointed watching Aaron Gordon in the third quarter. Um, so often he ends up being the guy where he can do the isolation stuff. He can do the post-up stuff in place of Jokic. Uh, when Jokic needs a break, when you want him to stand on the three-point line a little bit, Aaron Gordon gets into the post. There were a couple times where 
Gordon was matched up on De'Aaron Fox and Justin Holiday and guys like that having a size mismatch and then went to the post. And I can see one vivid time in my head where De'Aaron Fox poked that ball away or uh, Gordon let Damian Jones kind of poke it away from him, who was helping off of Jokic. Gordon's got to be better. He was 4 of 10 tonight, 11 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 turnovers, 0 of 5 from 3. The four shots that he did make, all four of them were assisted by Jokic in the paint. Um, So that is a good thing. You want him to be effective in those cases and and be aggressive going to the rim kind of as a counteraction to what Jokic consistently does in the post and on the move and whatnot. However, Gordon is one of those guys that you still need him to self-create a little bit. And if he doesn't, then the burden is going to fall on Jokic, especially if a guy like Barton is out. If Obviously, you don't have Murray and Porter. Uh, Morris is kind of a self-creator, but not to the degree that Gordon can, like in an isolation or post-up setting. So, I hope this is kind of a blip. This should have been a matchup where Gordon was good. It wasn't. Uh, we're going to have to see whether he can bounce back tomorrow night. Because he's going to face, in all likelihood, um, gosh, who do they even face? Like, Clay Thompson will probably be defending him a little bit, and Clay looks a little bit light in the seat. So, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see. I am I am very curious to see who defends Aaron Gordon, but in all likelihood, it's not going to be a strong matchup. So, Jokic will have to take care of that. And finally, Davon Reed, uh, not his best game. It was too bad in the starting lineup tonight. He could have been better against Trey Lyles. Uh, Lyles has about four to five inches of size on him, and definitely twenty pounds. So I'm not necessarily concerned about this replacement game from Davon. I thought personally that Aaron Gordon should have defended Trey Lyles in the starting unit, and then Davon Reed should have chased around Harrison Barnes on the perimeter. Because if they want to try to post up Davon Reed, then I'm not super worried about it. Obviously, they weren't going to post up Aaron Gordon, but I just think that Denver would have been better in that situation. It is what it is. It's a it's a minor detail in the grand scheme of this game, but Davon Reed did hit a three. I believe it was off of a Jokic pass. Seven points, two rebounds, two assists, one steal uh, in 22 minutes. He didn't really close the game. It was mostly Zeke Naji, though. Reed did come in with about two minutes left to go. Um, we're going to see. We're going to see from it, kind of just a, a nondescript game. From Davon Reed, from what I, from what I will say. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit. We will be right back. We're back. Big and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Saw a couple new ratings pop in. That was very nice to see. 
always enjoy seeing those for sure. Uh, as we get closer to the playoffs, it's nice to see. Yeah, I've got a got a five star podcast. That's pretty cool. Thank you so much. That's all on you, you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Um, the bench tonight. The bench was. Oh, it's it's hard to describe the bench because on one hand, the defense was mostly very good, and. For a, a Sacramento Kings team that really struggled to score for most of the night, they had a, a one like 100 points, about a 101 offensive rating. That's not good. Um, Denver did a really nice job forcing the Kings bench into turnovers, and then they only allowed two offensive rebounds to the Sacramento Kings bench unit. When you think about where Denver has been killed in the past, you know that when Denver goes small, sometimes if they go with four guards or if they go Jamichael at the five, then they always leave themselves vulnerable in those second units to teams that can crash the glass, can get to the cup, and then cause a whole bunch of rotations that cause the second chance points. That's the uh, Those are the real bugaboos for the bench. So those have mostly gone away. With cousins in the lineup. When you play a traditional five, when you play Jermichael Green at the four, Zeke Naji even at the three, very big. Um, you've got a, a seven foot center in cousins or six eleven. You've got a six foot eight thick power forward, and you've got a six foot nine small forward. Um you're not gonna give up a lot of offensive boards. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm the Damian Jones rebounds were probably mostly against the starters because he played 37 minutes. It wouldn't surprise me if the bench didn't give up a single offensive board. And if that's the case, that is a really impressive number. Now, what I will say is that it kind of stops there from a positivity standpoint. I, I will say uh, Zeke Naji also shout out to him for the great hands, four steals tonight in his return to the starting lineup got his hands in passing lanes all night, and made things a lot easier for the bench when you're great on the defensive glass, but also you have somebody who's kind of a thief out there and making sure that nobody's getting the open shots. That's a really, really great sign. Now, what I will say, the Nuggets are going to lose a playoff game if DeMarcus Cousins and Jamichael Green keep committing as many offensive screening fouls as they did tonight. And frankly, it has been a a noted point over the course of the entire year. Jamichael at one point, very early in the season, obviously, was leading the NBA in offensive screening fouls. That's obviously gone down a little bit because Jamichael averages about 15 minutes a night. However, it is tough to always have those put the other team in the bonus, put the other team into a situation where they can just get to the free throw line at will, and then it just kind of takes away from the opportunities for your, your own bench to establish rhythm and chemistry. And it wasn't even Jermichael Green tonight. Like He had two of them. I'm pretty sure the Cousins had four four screening fouls 
if I'm not mistaken. And when you add that together, that's six screening fouls in a limited number of possessions that the Nuggets will get every game, assuming that you get about two possessions a minute. It's just a lot of screening fouls. It's a lot of possessions to take away. And the fact is, is that Jamichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins were net neutral. Zeke Naji was a plus six. Faku Kambazo was a plus four. Bryn Forbes was a plus six. They had an opportunity to even stretch out the lead if they didn't kill themselves with the fouls and the mistakes and the turnovers. The Kings capitalized on those in a big way. And that's always going to be a concern. That's always going to be a point of issue with the Nuggets if Cousins is on the floor and if Jamichael Green is on the floor because teams are going to run into them, try to bother them, try to get them under their skin, and you're always going to have some opportunities to kind of take advantage of that where you get some guys with open jumpers, you get some open offensive rebounding opportunities. But tonight, Faku Campazzo had three offensive rebounds. Bryn Forbes had one. Jamichael Green had zero. Zeke Naji had zero. DeMarcus Cousins had zero. So it's just a very abnormal bench game. We've got some weird stat lines. Jamichael Green had six points, one make, four made free throws. I don't remember what his... Uh, what his free throw percentage is, but the last time I looked, it was 87%. I'm not going to look it up tonight. But Jermichael Green, that's one of the best things he does, to be frank. So he gets to the line, and he makes those shots. He had seven rebounds. Zeke Naji had four steals and took one shot, took zero threes. DeMarcus Cousins had five fouls, six turnovers, six rebounds, and five points on three shots. Faku Campazzo had two points on five shots, six assists, four rebounds, and was a plus four. Bryn Forbes had 11 points, one rebound, zeros across the board other than two fouls, and was a plus six because he hit some threes and was on the court at important times for Jokic, or for Denver's guys to kind of extend the lead a little bit. But here's the thing. Denver's obviously a little bit out of whack from a rotation perspective because you don't have Bones Highland out there. Austin Rivers has usually been the guy with the bench units. Um, But Zeke Naji, he has some utility in a lot of different units. There are going to be opportunities where maybe not at the three, but possibly at the four in place of Jermichael Green or Jermichael slides to the five in place of DeMarcus Cousins at times. But there will be plenty of opportunities where Zeke Naji is the right guy to have out there. I thought he would have been the right guy to have out there to guard Trey Lyles. And as it turns out, it's one of the reasons Denver won the game. Was Zeke Naji was on the game, was in the floor, on the floor, gosh, he was on the floor to close most of the fourth quarter. And there were some mistakes. He also had no offense to speak of and didn't really have many opportunities. But sometimes you need a guy like that when you're obviously going to have Jokic and Morris and Gordon and guys like that that are going to have more usage 
you need a fifth guy who can just do his job and not have to make a mess about the offense. Zeke is going to fit into that at various points. I'm not sure where in the rotation he currently fits. I'm not sure whether he's going to play at all once Michael Porter comes back. But I do think that there are going to be a ton of reasons to play him in a playoff series. I'm not sure what the situation is going to be. I have to imagine it's going to be some sort of perimeter big, some sort of forward that could really give Denver some issues. Like, for example, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Like, like, I think that he would be a good matchup on Wiggins, personally. I think you want somebody like that who, when Wiggins looks across from him, he sees Zeke Naji and thinks he can take Zeke Naji in isolation. I think Zeke would be great defensively against a guy like Wiggins. Denver might have to face a guy like that. They might have to have opportunities where they take advantage. And so you hope that Zeke can get a little bit more involved at times. Tonight he wasn't super involved offensively, but I am looking at that going forward. And I just, I don't hope, I hope that he doesn't just go back to the bench because he's talented enough and good enough on the defensive end that I think that there is a place for him. Just like I think there's a place for Davon, just like I think there's a place for Bones. There's a place for a lot of these guys. We'll see if Denver just decides to go back to a traditional five-man bench unit or not. But there's just so many questions to answer still. Faku was kind of sandbagged a little bit by his teammates tonight. I do think that the screening fouls from Jermichael Green and Demarcus Cousins really bothered a lot of it, but I did like a lot of what his passing did. Uh, Faku, I thought that he did a great job of finding Bryn Forbes. I thought he did a great job of finding the open cutter. Thought he did a great job of finding the open three. And Denver shot twenty five percent from three tonight. Not sure that's entirely Faku's fault, but I do think that. I think that Denver can get by without him, of course. And I would personally prefer to have somebody that shoots off the dribble because it just does more for the team, despite the fact that Faku had six assists. I think we've we've seen that bear outs. So like I, I don't need to go over this again, but Denver needs somebody that can create their own shot. And there are so few players on the team outside of Jokic and Morris and Barton and maybe Gordon, definitely Gordon, that can actually create their own shot off the dribble. The fact that Bones can is just one of the main reasons why the Nuggets bench has been so good and why he's had such a good two-man game with Boogie and with Jamichael. I have to wonder whether Faku kind of setting them up to then do all of their own work may not be the best thing for Jermichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins. I want to see what it looks like with Bones again. We'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, how the Nuggets just keep rolling and, and some of the uh, the standing stuff that we need to go over for this team. But first, 
This podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, basketball is winding down. Not winding down. I mean, we're getting into the stretch run here where we're in mid-March. All of these teams are fighting and jockeying for position. And there are so many opportunities that if you know the right bet, if you know the right team that you should be betting against, uh, there are going to be ways to win easy money. I'm looking at you, Oklahoma City. I'm looking at you, Portland. Good Lord, did Portland really uh, do some bad stuff tonight where they are tanking. They are absolutely going down the drain. And there is going to be a lot of money to be won against the Portland Trailblazers, betting against the Portland Trailblazers as they continue to try to tank and play lesser and lesser known players down the stretch. And if you're betting on the NBA, you know that. You know that you have an opportunity to make this money. And DraftKings, they give you a great opportunity that if you bet just $1 on any any NBA team as a new user, you can get back $150 in free bets if they win. Use that to bet against the Portland Trailblazers. That is my best betting advice that I can give anybody right now. They were down. Josh Hart was a minus 51 at one point tonight. I don't know if you finished that way, but a minus 51. That is a that's a rough scene for the Portland Trailblazers. DraftKings users can also bet on same game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game, get a bigger payout. It is really that simple. And if you want to keep it simple, when you sign up, make sure to use promo code MHS. Tell them that you came from us. Tell them that we gave you this great opportunity to get in on the action, make some dough, and really take advantage of a of a sports scene where you can absolutely bet the market and win the market. Should be great. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1 800 522 All right, folks, welcome back. Final segment. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk about how the Nuggets keep it rolling, and we're going to do it through the prism of the playoffs and the current standings and what's going on right now. Uh, first of all, the magic numbers down to 14. The reason why it hasn't gone down more in the course of the past few days, despite the fact that the Nuggets keep winning, is that the T-Wolves keep winning. They've won six in a row, and it's not like their schedule is going to get that much harder over the course of these next few. They play some really, really easy teams until about mid to late March. So don't be surprised if they keep winning and, and that magic number kind of stays pretty stagnant or, or just drops down by one or two here or there. Uh, it's it's a tough place for Denver to be where they've gone 9-1 and one in their last 10 games and they've only gained one game over the T-Wolves. Like Denver has the best record in the NBA 
over the course of the last 10, and it just doesn't matter because the T-Wolves are keeping pace, or at least as close to it as they possibly can. So we're going to see what they keep doing. We're going to see if they drop one here or there, Uh, but their schedule doesn't get that much tougher until mid to late March. So keep an eye on that. Denver's 40 and 26 right now. They just tied up with Dallas for fifth. Uh, The Knicks beat down Dallas tonight. And at one point, I'm pretty sure in the first half, the Mavericks were one of 21 from three. One of 21. That's absurd. And I'm pretty sure the Knicks won by about 30 tonight. And it's a tough place for the Mavericks to be. Like, they've had so much pressure on Luka that if you don't have guys that can shoot and take pressure off of him, Nuggets fans know this, like, it's really tough for players like Nikola Jokic to operate when there's no spacing around him. Now, he he does it anyway because he's so freaking dominant on the interior. With Luka, sometimes it's even more difficult because he's trying to penetrate into a lane that is already packed, waiting for him. And everybody's comfortable with double teaming. Everybody's comfortable with rotating out and leaving the open corner shooter right now because there is just no reason for anybody to overextend on anybody else. Because despite the fact that they've played well and their supporting cast has been pretty good, their best outside shooter is still Dorian Finney-Smith. And Maxi Kleba and Jalen Brunson. So, like, it's going to be tough. Actually, it's probably Reggie Bullock, but he went 0 of 8 from 3 tonight. So, Dallas might be a team where unless unless they get it right back together and this was just a one-game blip, nothing to see here, they might be a team that despite the, the fact that they have a relatively easy schedule, they could drop one or two if they like un- unexpected ones. And it might put Denver in a position where they could think about fifth place as a possibility. And maybe not even fifth, because right now, Denver's just four and a half games out of second place in the Western Conference, which is, in fact, second place in the entire NBA. I posted a picture on Twitter tonight of the league sorted by record, uh, not just divided into conferences because that's what the Eastern Conference folks want you to believe is that, oh man, look at what the Eastern Conference is doing. Look at what they're having to deal. Look at how contested it is and how many great teams there are. It's really not that much better. Sure, you've got the Brooklyn Nets who are probably a better version than the Los Angeles Lakers right now, but they're both in the plan. And unless they get their shit together, They're both going to stay there. I do think that the three best teams in the league right now are currently in the West. And because of that, you're going to see a little bit more separation than you would in the East, which is just basically flat. Right now, it is the Suns over everybody. I think the Warriors' recent slide, not even really recent, it's been for a month now. The Warriors' slide has really flattened out the group of contenders behind the Suns, where the Grizzlies, they have as much of a claim as anybody else in the West to be the second best West contender behind Phoenix. Anybody in the East could say that they're the leading contender. You could say the the Bucks, who were the defending 
champions, of course. But they're also like, like they have weaknesses. They they absolutely have their own weaknesses and problems that you could potentially be dealing with. And some of those weaknesses are going to show up against other teams. But I do think that everything is flat. The entire league is flat right now from a contention standpoint. Anybody can win. And with Chris Paul out right now, you know that the Suns are a little bit more vulnerable, though they did play the Miami Heat. I think it was last night. Maybe it was tonight. Oh, no, it was tonight. Yeah, they beat them by a comfortable 21 points. Jimmy Butler didn't play, but neither did Chris Paul. So both of those teams should have been on a relatively even spectrum. And the Suns went into Miami and just decimated them. So I don't know who's going to come out of the East. I assume that the Suns are going to be the top threat in the West, and there's no reason to bet against them at this point. And that's what Denver's going to have to fight with. But here's what the current standings look like right now. The Suns are at 13 losses in their own tier. They have 16 games to go. The Grizzlies have 22 losses, nine games behind the Suns. So there's a nine-game gap between the Grizzlies and the Suns. And I'm only going with losses right now. I don't care about wins. You can't make up wins. Or no, you can't make up losses. You can make up wins. That's what Matt says. Um, But the Grizzlies have 22 losses with 15 games left. The Warriors have 22 losses with 16 games left. They're basically tied. The Jazz, right below them, have 24 losses with 17 games left. So there are still more opportunities for them to lose. But right now they have only 24 losses, which is just two two behind. The Mavs have 26 losses with 16 games to go. The Nuggets have 26 losses with 16 games to go. Both of those teams are two, two losses back of the Jazz. So you're starting to see these mini tiers kind of uh, fan out. We've got the Suns above everybody in their own little Narnia. You've got the Grizzlies and the Warriors kind of in their own little mini tier. you got the Jazz in their own little mini tier. And you've got the Mavs and the Nuggets in their own little mini tier. They're basically tied, but the Mavs have the tiebreaker, as we know. And you've got the T-Wolves, who have 29 losses, three back of the Mavs and Nuggets. And they only have 15 games left. So... As long as they win most of those games, they're relatively set to be at about a 34 losses or so. Let's say they go 10 and 5 and they have 34 losses. Well, the Nuggets, they then have to be at 33 losses, one fewer than the T-Wolves because I think the T-Wolves are going to win the tiebreaker. And if that's the case then the Nuggets need to outpace them in record in order to stay above them. So that means that Denver, in because they're 40 and 26, if they need to get to 49 and 33, that means they have to go 9 and 7 the rest of the way. Definitely doable. To get to 50 wins, they have to go 10 and 6. Also doable, a little bit more difficult, but definitely doable if they want it. It's going to be hard for the T-Wolves to catch up, but it's not impossible. 
And there's a reason why I do this, because as Denver continues to push, they've been pushing and pushing and pushing, not necessarily to move up in the standings, but just to stay ahead of the play-in race, because right now, like the T-Wolves are dangerous. They've, they've played really well. It's not necessarily having to match up with them. It's like teams like the Clippers and the Lakers and the Pelicans and teams of that nature that could be dangerous for the Nuggets to face in a one-off situation. You don't want to deal with that. That's just not something you care to deal about. And given that the Clippers, we just saw Kawhi Leonard warm up for the first time publicly, there is at least a possibility that Kawhi comes back. And my God, like that's a different scenario if Kawhi Leonard comes back to join that team. So, let's refresh. The Suns are uncatchable. Nobody is catching them. Not the Grizzlies, not the Warriors, not the Nuggets. The Grizzlies and Warriors, they have 22 losses. The Nuggets have 26. Can you make that up? You might be able to catch the Warriors. Because you have the tiebreaker, because you're playing them tomorrow, if you win tomorrow's game, then not only do you have the tie, you've already got the tiebreaker. You've already earned that. Well, let's say the Warriors lose. Then they would be at 23 losses. The Nuggets would stay at 26. And you've got the tiebreaker, so you've just got to make up another three games. Draymond Green should be coming back soon, so I'm not necessarily sure that this is going to kind of go the way of the Warriors continuing to slide. But it's a kind of a unlikely chance is what I will say, but there is a chance. Now, can Denver catch the Jazz? Probably not. And for the, like, it's basically for the same reason, right? Like, the Nuggets still have to make up three games over the Jazz, because the Jazz are at 24 losses, the Nuggets are at 26, but the Jazz have the tiebreaker. So, if the Jazz get to, let's say, well, they've got 17 games left and 24 losses, so let's say they lose another six games. They go 11 and six. That means they're 52 and 30 at the end of the year, which means the Nuggets need to get to 53 and 29. They're currently 40 and 26, which means they need to go 13 and three the rest of the way. Is it possible? Sure. Like Denver's done a lot of crazy shit, but I don't think it's likely. So you're probably not catching the Jazz. Can you catch the Mavs? Definitely. You can definitely catch the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks, like Denver, are at 26 losses. They're each 40 and 26. All you need to do is outpace them. You don't need to do anything special other than that. Like if the Mavs go 9 and 7, Denver needs to go 10 and 6. If the Mavs go 10 and 6, Denver needs to go 10 or 11 and 5. They can do that. But you still need to outpace them because of the tiebreaker. Denver's, uh, they haven't done well in the tiebreakers this year other than against the Warriors and kind of against the Suns, actually. Uh, the reason being is because they faced all these teams relatively early in the season and not necessarily in situations where they could optimize themselves and optimize Jokic. Actually, basically, they faced everybody before the Bryn Forbes and DeMarcus Cousins editions. So... Obviously, Denver was a different team then with a different level of bench. But it is what it is. 
can the T-Wolves catch the Nuggets? That's the question everybody wants to know. Let's say the Nuggets go 10-6 and six the rest of the way. I think that's a pretty fair estimate based off of the pace that they've established already, but also kind of assuming a little bit of a drop-off due to better competition, maybe a little bit more variance. If Denver goes 10-6 and six the rest of the way, then they will be 50-32. and 32. The T-Wolves right now have 29 losses, so they would need to at least tie Denver. And that means they have to go 12-3 and three in their final 15 games. I don't think that's going to happen. Is it possible? Yes. Does it get easier if the Nuggets slip up? Yes. Is it likely? No. And because of this, I think the most likely thing for Denver is that there will either be a 5 or a 6 seed, depending on how the Mavericks do. I think the Nuggets can kind of control their own destiny a little bit. They've got to keep winning. They've got to keep doing enough over the course of these next few games. But if you win, let's say, 8 of the next 12, you go 8-4. and four. That puts you, given that you're 40 and 26 already, at 48 and 30, heading into the final four games. In those final four games, you face the Lakers twice, who are going to be fighting for their lives, trying to stay above the play and race. At least I think they will. You can either choose to try to eliminate the Lakers or rest entirely. And Denver might choose rest. They absolutely might. Maybe they should. Because I am a little bit worried about the fatigue. Given the playoff chase, given this MVP run for Nikola Jokic, I am a little bit worried. Given the injuries, too. Like, Denver's been going hard for 66 games. They've had to survive the absences of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., They've had injuries at various points where their bench has been extremely short. And they've had a lot of situations where guys haven't been trustable. So they've had to shorten their bench at times, or at least shorten the bench minutes. Jokic is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders right now. And he's as well-conditioned as he's ever been. And I'm not necessarily worried about him like dropping off like magnificently. But any small drop-off in Nikola Jokic likely smells failure, spells failure, gosh, for the Nuggets in the playoffs. They need him to be operating at peak capacity, which means if you're the Nuggets, you got to do what you got to do. Got to make sure he gets to the right place. And you've also got to do what you got to do with the injury replacements and potentially Murray and Porter coming back. And there's just so much to try to figure out that we just don't know about. So I am a little bit worried. Especially if the injuries from tonight are a little bit more severe than people were thinking about or letting on. If those last, and the, the heavy minutes that these guys are going to have to play, it's going to be tough. So with that in mind, Denver has their fourth game in five nights on Thursday night against the Golden State Warriors. I doubt that Jokic sits. It doesn't seem like it's in his nature. 
Perhaps he should. Perhaps there are other guys that should, like Aaron Gordon. But Jeff Green's with a newborn. Congratulations to him and his wife, by the way. Monte Morris probably deserves a little bit of a break. He hasn't been able to have one. Bones Highland was injured. Will Barton was injured. There's just a lot going on. So, I hope that the Nuggets don't overdo it on Thursday. I hope they can figure it out. If they can, it's going to be okay. If Jokic wins, and then obviously everybody else too, but if Jokic kind of dominates in that game too, man, this 3-14 game, this Pi Day game against Philly, it's right around the corner. Everybody's going to be watching that one. Going to be a lot of fun. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's enjoy the moments. Because what we're seeing from Jokic right now, it's just out of this world incredible. He has been fantastic. The Nuggets have been fantastic. And they're setting themselves up in so many great ways. Get the right matchup in the playoffs and you just never know. And that's because the Nuggets have put themselves in that position. Credit to the coaching staff, credit to the players, credit to Jokic. They've done it. Made me a believer. That's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode. I will be back tomorrow night after the Nuggets play Golden State and an angry Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Steve Kerr and everybody else. We're going to see how they do. I'm looking forward to it. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.